Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. I woke up this morning. I walked the, you know, 50 feet to my neighborhood coffee shop in my PJs to treat myself to a coffee and what was an unexpectedly heart-shaped donut. Because, my friends, today is Valentine's Day. And I'm choosing to spend it writing and recording the podcast. I know it's a made-up holiday, it's consumer-driven, but gosh darn it. I don't mind having a day where we're encouraged to let those near and dear to us, or far, (laughs) very far during the pandemic, know that we care about them. My grandfather, who raised me, was not especially good at expressing his emotions. But every Valentine's Day, I'd wake up, walk into the kitchen, and there waiting for me at my seat at the table would be a small heart-shaped box of chocolates. A small act meant so much to me, and he kind of blushed when I'd give him a hug and a kiss. Anyways, I care about you listeners. And what better way to show you and celebrate that than to release a new episode today? Want to return the favor? Might I suggest rating the podcast on iTunes and even better, leaving a little love note, aka review on iTunes. It's real important and helps others discover perceived value. Another way you can show your appreciation is by becoming our patron on Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. I love talking about money, and I even more so love receiving it. Currently, my Patreon is set up so that whatever you pledge, say a dollar, five dollars, you are charged each time I release a new episode. I release one to two episodes per month, so you do the math. Visit patreon.com slash value to learn more. So are you a student? Or are you a metalsmith? Maybe a student that doesn't quite identify as a metalsmith, but you work with metal in some capacity? Well, this call for entry is for you. The 8th Annual Ethical Metalsmiths Online International Student Exhibition, So Fresh, So Clean, is seeking your submissions. Fresh, work that's happening now challenging how we define the field of metalsmithing and jewelry, and clean, objectively looking at where our studio practices intersect with environmental concerns and human health. Applicants must be a current student-level member of Ethical Metalsmiths by the call for entry deadline, which is May 15th. I love how they define a student, which includes having enrolled in a jewelry or metalsmithing-related course at a high school, maybe a college, craft school, or even just a local workshop during the current year of student membership. The membership is $35, and this year, more than ever, 
they are really rolling out the benefits for students and educators. All students in schools represented by student submissions will be offered complimentary tickets to a sustainability seminar with Ethical Metalsmiths co-founder Christina Miller, who is amazing. Ethical Metalsmiths is also offering a toolkit for educators to help them adopt the call for entry into their classes and curriculum. It includes an assignment prompt and a handout on riveting. Links are on the call for entry webpage, which is included in the description of the podcast. Let's say you're a student and you're a bit strapped for cash during the pandemic. Wow, no shocker there. Well, Ethical Metalsmiths are now offering school-level memberships to include five student memberships and one educator membership. This way, schools can purchase memberships on behalf of their students And you students are paying a lot in tuition. So get to pressuring your professors to sign up and get you one of those free memberships. You're welcome. Visit ethicalmetalsmiths.org to learn more. And if nothing else sticks with you, let it be this. Deadline, May 15th. I think about the trajectory of my career, which really is just a trajectory of my life, a lot a good amount, and I think a lot of other people do too. As a 35-year-old woman, I've recently found myself reflecting upon and kind of in awe of the experiences I've had, and incredibly thankful for my naivete and somewhat recklessness. I enjoy going all in. I don't always think things through, and my vulnerability has caused many a heartbreak. But it's these traits that have led me to living in a tiny cabin alone for three months on an island, or in the back of a smelly van surrounded by instruments and with the best kind of friends a gal could ask for. I have and continue to stumble my way through experiences, and I mean that in the most positive way. Experiences both significant and minute, and I'm finally catching on to the magic that lies within that. I find a lot of comfort in knowing that I have no idea what I'll be doing this time next year or if I'll be with anybody, that I might have five more drastically different careers ahead of me, I sure hope so, and that yes, even jewelry might just be a small part of my career trajectory as scary as that may feel. My guest today is a jeweler, but she has had many careers before jewelry. She's the type of person you could spend hours talking to and never run out of questions. I admire the way in which she has embraced synchronicity within her life and followed it to opportunities. Christina Grace is the founder and designer of Tin House, a contemporary fine jewelry brand based in Los Angeles. She is the 2021 Halstead Grant winner, and she is a woman whose resume is full of diverse and interesting experiences. This is a long interview, folks, because, well, it just needed to be. It's really good. I suggest splitting it up over a few days or... Maybe it can keep you company as you burn the midnight oil for a deadline. So please welcome today's guest, Christina Grace. Is 
Is it warm there? You're in a scarf. Wait a minute. Aren't you in it's, LA? Yeah, it's cold in the studio. Oh, okay. Cold as in <laughs> and like I wanted 65 to dress degrees. My, and I wanted to dress up my t-shirt. So <laughs> There we go. I was like, I mean, it's been snowing all day here. I actually just put on like a wool sweater and wool socks because my heater is so loud that when it runs, um, the mic picks it up. So, um, throughout this interview, my apartment's just going to get colder and colder. It's fun. I like the cold. <laughs> I like the cold. You can just bundle up when it's hot. Oh my gosh. It's, it's really uncomfortable. Like, yeah, no, I totally get that. But I, yeah. you know, maybe I should, I lived in Seattle for a long time and I, my best friend moved down to LA and and when I was trying to figure out where to move, I was like, should I just move to somewhere warmer? Because I'm not, I, I don't hate the cold. I don't thrive in it. <laughs> well, you know, actually I went to Chicago for uh, my boyfriend's um, birthday. Um, he wanted to celebrate there. And that was the first time me experiencing snow or just like extreme cold. So I mm. understand. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, hope, I hope I can say this on the podcast you can just mute it or I don't know if you can do that, but like I found it very hard to take a number two because it was so cold. Is that oh, weird? That's really funny. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I find it hard to take a number two when I travel period. So like, it's fine. <laughs> Ooh, we're starting off this interview. Very good. I love it. Um, but Christina, you're not where, where do you actually live? I mean, everybody says LA, but LA is, that's a very broad description. It is. Yeah. I mean, I lived all around LA, so I got to experience the Valley, which is like, um, North Hollywood, Hollywood, um, Eagle Rock area, uh, Pasadena. It was great. Now I live mm. in downtown LA, which is close to the jewelry district. Um, oh, yeah, okay. so it's, yeah. It's super convenient. Um, mm-hmm. but the space we're in right now, it's, uh, I need, I need more space. So, um, we're moving it in during the summer Mm -hmm. to like a bigger space for all my equipment. It gets like really crowded. Yeah. It's so interesting because, um, one of my, he's actually been on the podcast. He did the theme song for it. Um, my friend Hamilton and his partner, Amy moved down and they moved into downtown LA into this beautiful loft um, from Seattle. And a big part of it was Seattle's just getting so incredibly expensive. And I, I really paused there for a moment because I was like, wait a minute, you're leaving Seattle because it's expensive and you're living in a down the loft downtown LA. Like is downtown LA surprisingly affordable? It is um, a lot more affordable than, say, if you were to uh, move to Hollywood. Um, but mm-hmm. if you're, if you go on Craigslist or if you have some insight on um, some of the real estate or rental out here, you can get um, a pretty decent priced um, rental. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, my my boyfriend works um, part time for a uh, real estate company. So yeah. he gets first dibs on the rentals around here. So if you ever move to LA, let us oh, know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll God, I you love know. connections. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, uh, for luckily, because he works for our rental, I mean, um, um, a real estate company, we, he, we get a, a really great discount on our rent, like 30% off. So that, that oh. helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice, man. 
maybe the next person I try to date will be a real estate agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask him if he has any friends. <laughs> on the prowl. On the prowl. Um, okay, everyone. Well, I guess I should say who I'm talking to. Uh, hey, listeners. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Perceived Value. I'm talking to Christina Grace of Tin House, right? Tin House. Yes. Um, and thank you for joining me. You're thank on West Coast you. time. Yes. It, uh, it's the afternoon, 1 p.m. there, 4 p.m. here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited to talk to you because I feel like, this is a funny one, I feel like I really know you in some ways, although this is the first time I've ever talked to you. Um, because <laughs> if, uh, if any of you follow me on social media or anything like that, you would know that I helped judge the Halstead grant this year. Um, and we're going to get into more of what that is and what that means. And Christina won it. Um, <laughs> yeah, girl, you won it. It's a big deal. Oh, my goodness. It's exciting. Yeah. Oh, my God. I replay all the time when you first called. And I was like, oh, my God, I just made myself sound like an ass. You know, when you got on, sorry. I'm like, wait, I know that name. But I was waiting for um, Amazon to call me because uh, someone hacked into my account. So they were literally calling me that day. So I was like kind of caught off guard. And, and yeah, my, my mind just blanked. And yeah, the experience was like, oh, my God, this is one for the history books. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was also funny, too, because, oh gosh, okay, of course, guys, broken record. We're in a pandemic. Ta-da. Um, so everything <laughs> about the judging was really different this year. Um, typically, the guest judge is flown out to Prescott, Arizona, and you know, put up in a hotel and taken out to dinner every single night, and the judging wow. happens in one week. Yeah, it's it's a whole experience, and that's kind of – that's, you know, that's, they schmooze you while you're there because you're, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year <laughs> instead they shipped me all the applications and I judged it in my bedroom alone and was like, Oh my God, this is so much. Um, and I remember us finishing and then kind of deciding who it was. Um, and I felt like, and Hillary is like, okay, great. Well, we should give her a call. Sarah, you want to be the one to tell her? And, and it just so, it felt so casual. Like we, we just put days and hours into figuring this out. And the applications are really thick, man. Your binder. Good God, girl. I know. I, I felt it, bad. <laughs> oh, you guys. Hmm. Anyway, I'll describe it in a moment. But the fact that she was just like, okay, let's call her like a three-way call or whatever. And it just felt so casual to be able to tell you that in that way. (laughs) Um, But fun. I've never gotten to call somebody and tell them that kind of good news before. (laughs) No, it was exciting. It was definitely, I had to kind of calm down because I, uh, after you called, I had like, uh, I think 30 to 45 minutes before I had to drive to school. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I had to calm myself and I'm like, who's going to be the first person I'm going to tell, you know, yeah. <laughs> of course I told, you know, I told my boyfriend, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I remember, I remember getting a call when I, um, it's so funny because you get those calls in your life a few times. I've gotten them twice with, uh, getting a fellowship that was like a two-year experience and then getting a residency. Um, And the residency one was really fun because I had left a pair of shoes 
during my interview process there. And so somebody called me and, um, Nick, who was the programs director at Aeromont, and he was like, Hey, Sarah, um, so you left a pair of boots here. And I was like, I know, gosh, those are expensive. Nice. I really need those back. And he's like, Cool. Well, um, sure, I can mail them to you, or you can just get them when you move here. What? <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> That is so cool. Yeah. I love like that. My, I know. It was it was a really smooth transition. I was like, okay, yeah. And he did just leave them there and I just picked them up when I moved to campus like a month later. So that's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm really excited to talk to you. A, because I do want to share more about I've had um in the podcast previously, I had Emily Schaefer on the podcast. Um and she came onto the podcast to speak about the Halstead Grant. Um, you guys, if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back, listen to them. But Reader's Digest version, Halstead Grant, it's um, a $7,500 grant award. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 That's correct. You're like, <laughs> I've gotten that check now. I know. How much it is. <laughs> Um, and it's put on by Halstead, which is a company, a family-owned small business in Arizona, if you're a jeweler, of course, you know what Rio Grande is. They supply jewelry supplies, et cetera. And Halstead is kind of the smaller family-owned business version of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like they sell um, tools and materials, et cetera. But what makes them stand out to me is that the work they do beyond the product they sell, right? Christine, totally. you're, yeah, Christina's yeah. like shaking her head real hard. Um, <laughs> Hillary Halstead is been such a huge supporter of the podcast and, and she's, she's just a huge supporter and advocate for the jewelry community, um, and entrepreneurs. And she's all about creating opportunities for jewelers and young entrepreneurs and mentoring them. And it just like giving them the tools to succeed. Totally. Right? Is, yeah. Is that a good way to describe it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You did way beyond, you know, because <laughs> like my, even the jewelry, the jewelry business forum, I learned so much just listening to, I listen to every episode and it's on repeat whenever I'm in the studio, you know, listening oh, yeah. to it. Yeah. And, um, and, and you, the, the, the company overall has a feel like it feels like they really, truly, truly care about, um, business owners, small business owners. Um, and it's felt, I mean, they have jewelry spark on Facebook and they're like totally engaged in, um, their audience there too and helping people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What is jewelry spark? Like I've seen it, but I, I think I'm a member of it, but I haven't really followed it much. It's like an online Facebook forum. Yeah. It's a Facebook forum. Um, they, they talk about, uh, um, you know, what, what's going on within their company, but also we can post things like right now I'm in the market for um, figuring out how to uh, get exhaust, like a, a deck list exhaust system for my kiln so I can mm -hmm. um, do some kiln work inside. So you can post stuff like that, like asking if anyone has any tips or experience with uh, building their own or if it's worth it to invest in and in just getting like a system in inside i don't know so you can post yeah. stuff like that tips 
metrics. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you can sell anything. I mean, you can, yeah, I don't think you can sell anything on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's more of like a support system. That's great. And then you briefly mentioned in, um, again, if you follow me, you probably heard me talk about this, but of course, Hillary was like, okay, pandemic, right. What can we do during this time to help our community? And she's like, we're going to do something called the jewelry business forum online free conference that you just have to register and you get to go to. And they had, I don't even know how many speakers they had, um, Hmm. ranging on I think 21. It was like three speakers. Whoa. Yeah. Three speakers per day, seven days. No, I'm sorry. You didn't, they didn't have it on Saturday and Sunday. So it was mm. five days, 15, 15 wow. to 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was asked to speak. I was very thankful for that. They wanted me, it wasn't, they approached me about with the topic. They were like, we really would think that you could, could you speak to this? I think I talked about co-marketing. Yeah. Um, no, through- I listened to, um, your, your seminar. Oh. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Well, you know, <laughs> totally <laughs> well, Hey, right back at you. Um, well, it was interesting too, because you know, I, I'm not really a true entrepreneur in the sense of like selling jewelry, jewelry, you know, I entre- I'm an entrepreneur in every other ways, but, um, to come with mostly art jewelry or contemporary jewelry experience and get to share with jewelers who are a little bit more production focused. Um, that was really fun. And I think she's so smart because she does bring in all types of jewelers into, she blends them. She, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really and um, the thing is too, like, you know, I, I'm a new kid on the block, you know, so mm-hmm. um, I'm learning as I go. And I think, think based on impression with the um, environment I'm around is that um, a lot of uh, jewelry makers don't realize that with um, co-collaboration or collaboration with other people, not necessarily within the jewelry community, but if you go outside too, that Mm -hmm. also that, you know, that leaks back into what you're doing. So um, Yeah. yeah. And I learned a lot about like the art jewelry community so, um, and I, I don't really know too much about exhibiting and, and stuff. I mean, I did um, art exhibitions and stuff like that to earn grants and scholarships for the initial funding of my business. But as far as yeah. like um, what you've done, I, I, it's completely new territory. So it's, it's, it was nice to, to hear your side. Yeah. And when I looked at the other speakers that I did see, it was across the board. And, you know, it's funny where... Christina, I don't know if you get this, but somebody would be like, oh, my friend's a jeweler. You guys should be friends. And it's funny how I'll get that because the jewelry, there's so many types of jewelry. There's like bridge jewelry, fine jewelry, contemporary art jewelry, um, conceptual jewelry. And the communities are all adjacent, but can feel really separated sometimes or Yeah, no, for sure. And I feel yeah. like when I, what I liked about seeing the jewelry business forum is that Hillary is trying to kind of bridge those gaps a little, like bringing in people from the fine jewelry world, um, to speak right after somebody who focuses on bridge jewelry, who follows somebody who's a contemporary art jeweler. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> that's definitely something I've, I've noticed too, is the different categories that jewelry has. I mean, um, before I got into it, like my impression of jewelry is whatever you saw, like 
at the mall. Oh, I, yeah. I had no idea that jewelry could be contemporary. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. exposed to that. And I don't think the uh, social media 2011 was when I started doing Mala bracelets, you know, just mm-hmm. to, as like, um, um, as a hobby. And then, um, and then a metalsmith that I met showed me like different ways that you can make jewelry. I'm like, Oh, wow, this is fun. And, um, it wasn't until I started going to school that I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. So yeah, it's, it's a huge field. Mm -hmm. So we, we went down the rabbit hole with that, but that was all to say (laughs) that Halstead is great. Um, (laughs) you're not even sponsoring this episode, so you're welcome. Um, (laughs) throwing it out there. (laughs) Okay. I digress. So Christina, I, we're going to talk about obviously what it's like to win the grant. We're going to dig into that a bit more, but you know what? This is about you. This isn't about the grant. And I got to say, when I was reading your application, you guys, her application that was mm, probably about 10 pounds heavy, (laughs) the applicants, like they make binders and they personalize them. Oh man. And some are just like so over the top, like so much detail and decoration put into it. Um, and Christina, I would say yours just stood out just because of the sheer magnitude of it. It was just so thick. I, it was amazing. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was felt bad. I'm like, oh, this must be the plastic, <laughs> the plastic <laughs> sleeves. I didn't realize it was like that thick. I'm like, oh no, should I send no, this? No, it feel was bad for the judge. <laughs> well, you know, it's also interesting. Usually they're just shipped to Halstead and I would have gone to Halstead to review them, but they had to ship them to us. And I remember it was such a thing. Like I missed FedEx, I missed the delivery. And then I had to go to the center to get them. And then I was like, yeah, I'm here to pick up this. And she's like, okay. And then she comes back and she's like, you're just going to carry them. And I was like, yeah. Like I imagine like one box maybe. <laughs> yeah. And it was like two giant boxes. I had to get a dolly. Wow. It was really, Whoa. it was really funny how heavy they were. Um, but yeah, so you stuck out of my mind. But the thing about you is, is that you? May I ask how old you are? Is that rude? No, no. Um, I'm forty. You're forty? Yeah. Ooh, girls looking good for forty. Hello. <laughs> Thank um, you. I'm hanging out. <laughs> We'll see it on social media. You guys, she looks great. Um, yeah, guys, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, you get insight into somebody's life and how they've built upon their experiences and gotten to doing something like applying for the grant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to apply to the grant. I think it used to be that you had to apply within the first year, three years of owning your business, but they've expanded mm-hmm. it to five, correct? Yeah, they did. And then how many years are you into your business? Is it four or five? When I applied, I was on my fourth year. Yeah. Right. So the, yeah. by them expanding that, that opened it up to you. Totally. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, good move on them for that. No, I'm really grateful because in 2018, which was my first application, I was, mm. I want to say I was in my second year, seven Six, seven, eight. Yeah, I was in my second year, and then um, and then I was going to do it on my third year. But um, I think during the summer, I, I was I, I was just too caught up in like this um, uh, design festival that I was a part of that I was invited mm-hmm. to do, and and I 
I knew that the application process was just, it takes a lot of your time. And, yeah. um, and I just, I just didn't want to half-ass it and, yeah. and I didn't participate. And then someone told me that they had increased, um, the, the requirements to five years. So I'm like, okay, this is a sign. And then, you know, and then I was doubting myself and then my boyfriend's like, you better figure that out because <laughs> <laughs> you better do it. You're ready. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. And the first three years of a business, I mean, I think you're kind of just like, I feel like you maybe start to hit your stride in your third or fourth year anyway. So I think it's really smart to expand it because you kind of know more what you want. Maybe. I don't know. I'm speaking. Of, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> well, like before I got into jewelry, I mean, before I, 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 I thought I knew what I wanted, like everyone thought um, that I was going to end up being in the entertainment industry. Like mm -hmm. I had been um, acting and, and drama and all that stuff. And I was doing art too, but like, you know, growing up, my mom was like, don't be an artist. You're not going to make any money. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and she was really strict. And at the time uh, she was paying for my education. So I was uh, exploring other avenues and then, um, yeah. Uh, and then acting, came into the picture and I thought that that was what I was going to end up doing. And then this ca completely came out of nowhere. And, you know, even my managers, managers and agents at the time thought it was like, I was going through a midlife crisis, you know, they <laughs> thought I was crazy. I'm like, no, you know, and with the crystal mala bracelets, I was showing them, they're like, you want to leave your career for crystal mala bracelets. I'm like, oh, no, I, I'm going to learn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm really thankful that I found yeah. something that that's truly me. Yeah, so what I was trying to get to is like, yeah, she, you've had like a whole other career before yeah. this. And I found that 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 really enriched the, your brand story, the story of your brand. Is that how you say that? I don't know. Um, but it just caught my attention immediately because I found that um, the experiences that you'd had prior to coming to jewelry um, feed into what you're doing still. Like it kind of it does. You. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting how everything comes full circle because the things that I learned along the way, I didn't, I wouldn't never even think about using it for what I do now, like editing videos and, and filming and stuff like that. I mm -hmm. thought it was just going to be the jewel, you know, the jewelry maker and it's going to be completely private life and, and yeah. it's not, <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't look not. like it is. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to start, you mentioned your mom. So I want to start at the beginning. Sure. Are you from the LA area? Like where did you grow up? Um, I was born in the Philippines and then we moved out here in the late eighties. So I, we first moved to Arizona and then we lived there mm -hmm. for a few years, but then we moved to the San Diego area, which is where I grew up. And then I moved to Los Angeles. So with California is my, yeah. my home. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never been to the Philippines. Um, that sounds nice. Oh my God. When the <laughs> pandemic is done, you have to visit, you have at least once, um, you can with $600, you can live like a king like Whoa. for six months at least. Okay. That sounds yeah. nice. Do you go it, back to the Philippines on a regular basis when there's not a pandemic? 
I don't. But um, I mean, the last time I went was in 2007. But every time I go, I would, I would swear, like, I would stay for two weeks, and I always extend it a month and another month. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun. And it's relaxing. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds nice. I'd like to do that. <laughs> so your mom, so you moved to Phil, you moved to Arizona, then you hop around. Where did you end up going to like high school at? Like where were you at um, when you did high school? Yeah, sure. I went to El Camino High School in Oceanside. Oceanside? Okay. Yeah. And then when you were in high school, did you, you is that when you first started getting into like drama and acting? Yeah, so I was um I was um I was uh <laughs> what, what was that nervous giggle for? <laughs> okay, so my mom was really strict. So all the activities yeah. um I had I kind of snuck around. Like she didn't know I was she thought I was sneaking around like going somewhere like I don't know, being a, I don't know, whatever whatever she thought I was doing. So but I was going to like speech and debate competitions, you know, and oh, and yeah. I was yeah, I was um I was um I was in the speech and debate. I didn't do the debate part, but I did dramatic interpretation where you had to stand in front of an audience and act out a scene for like 10 minutes. And then um you know, I did drama, mm -hmm. flag team, um dance, stuff like that. Um more in the performative arts. Um, yeah. I think I, I kept my, uh, the, like, for example, painting and ceramics and stuff like that. Um, I did it on the side, I guess, cause my mom would like tell me, you know, you can't do art stuff because she didn't feel like you could get, she regrets it now, but yeah. she didn't feel like you could make money doing that. Oh my God. Can I interject? <laughs> because like, oh God going to show my cards here, but I have been going down. I've been watching a lot of Gilmore girls by myself in my apartment. Have you watched Gilmore girls before? I have. Yeah. A long time ago. The character Lane. I'm so sorry. I know she's a Korean character with like a really strict mother, but uh -huh. you, everything you're, it's like Lane would go to band practice and like hide it and like hide her CDs and her floorboard. Cause her mom was like rock and roll is the devil's music. I feel um, that. <laughs> Okay. Good. I was like, oh. and also, by the way, I'm a speech baby. Like wow. I did. Yes. I okay. did all state speech. I um, love it. I did musical theater was the one I always used to do. Oh, nice. Um, but I did, I did mime one year. I remember being like the speech director, uh, Miss Mullen. Oh, hi, Mrs. Mullen. Um, was like <laughs> paired me with this guy, Dan Bossman, who is such a goofy guy. And we had to do a mime thing. And I just remember being like, this is so dumb. I hate this. Why am I doing this? But it was really fun. <laughs> um, it, that's cool. That's cool. Um, I don't know if you're on TikTok, if, but if you ever explore it, sometimes um, the TikTok users, like some of the actors there would act out scenes and they would have to mime out the scenes, which is mm -hmm. really interesting because your timing with the words has to be on point. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. And I, I just loved going to like speech competitions and things it's like so that. much fun. Uh, Oprah really did it. Is. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you, did you just yeah. say Oprah did yeah. it? Oh my God. I'm an Oprah fan. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I, yeah. I used to follow her career because when, before acting came into the picture, I was also explore, uh, exploring journalism. So I was kind of following her career when she did. And mm. 
and 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 try to emulate that but journalism's not my thing journalism <laughs> no <laughs> so then okay so then you graduate did you go to college right after graduation was your mom like you're oh, going school. to college um or, yeah. Oh, yeah 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 um so all right so I convinced her that I was going to go into communications um uh, during high school, I was exploring different things, and um, I did this pageant. I snuck out to and did this pageant, and um, and she found out, so she had to go. And then she's like, "You're not going to win." I'm like, "Just let me do my thing." And then, yeah. um, and then so she was all crying in the audience, and I ended up winning um, Miss Teen San Diego. <laughs> Stop it! That wasn't on your resume. Just, just I know. I, I love here. <laughs> I mean, it's such a different world, different mindset that I, and I hate to say this, but I was kind of, um, I'm kind of sometimes embarrassed that I, I did pageants just because, because of, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I don't That's know. Okay. I mean, you know I get I mean? that. There's a lot of, there's like a lot of stigma around it. Some, I totally. sometimes, yeah, yeah, but like also don't you win scholarship money and stuff through that? Um, you do, um, which you, which is not a lot. I mean, um, Miss Philippines was the biggest pageant that I had won. I was like Miss Philippines of the world when I was mm, 18, 19. And oh, so, okay. So you, <laughs> wait, you went on and you did more. Oh, all right. Yeah, wow. no, yeah, no, it, yeah, it was just, it, it became like, I was fixated in the whole pageant scene and I had a coach and everything. So, um, yeah, I, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get into TV somehow and it might be, um, um, journalism, but in my head, no, I'm like, no, it's going to be acting, but like yeah. I was easing my mom in <laughs> <laughs> one That's baby crazy. step. So how many pageants did you end up doing? Like how <clears throat> long of a period of time did you kind of focus on that? Um, so only like maybe two or three years. Okay. probably even less. I started when I was maybe 17, 17 turning 18. My last pageant was when I was 22 or maybe okay. 21. Yeah. And then I have to ask some questions about this. Okay. It's pretty expensive, right? I had sponsors. So the better you do, oh. the more you'll get sponsors, um, um, people making your gowns for you, jewelry and everything. Um, everything's paid for if you win. So um, I went to uh, Miss Philippines Universe, which is the preliminary to the Miss Universe pageant. Um, that was kind of traumatizing. <laughs> oh, why was it traumatizing? Oh, God. Do you want to hear the story? This is yes, really of course I want to hear okay. I don't ask if I'm not interested. <laughs> All right. I so... talk about jewelry way too much. This is what I'm really interested in, okay? <laughs> All right. So, um, okay, so... It's so weird me talking about this. All right. So I, I win Miss Philippines of the world. I represented North America in the Miss Philippines universe. And okay. So a year or two prior to me joining, there was a candidate who had faked her documentation because you had to be a Filipino citizen to participate in the pageant. And so right. when they found out that she faked her documents, it became like a national um, I don't know, um, conspiracy, not conspiracy, a national, I don't know. It was bad. She, yeah. you know, she, she fled the country and hid. Um, oh, wow. So me coming in, you know, the pageant 
people were already traumatized from that, from the scandal. Scandal was the word. Yeah, that's it. Scandal. (laughs) So me, um, 21 year old girl coming in with big dreams and um, something I was waiting for and trained for come in and they were accusing me of having fake documents. And um, I was already getting a lot of press because um, a family friend of ours had picked me up from the airport and their son was this huge, huge um, actor in the Philippines. So he was my my escort. Um, So but I've known him since I was like middle school, like since we were young. They try to make it this this. thing. (laughs) You're like Justin and Brittany before they actually ever dated. They're like, no, they're just friends from the Mickey Mouse Club. Leave them alone. For sure. Yeah. So, Ah. yeah, the press that I was getting from that brought a lot of attention. And the girl and, you know, um, when we were doing the preliminaries and everything, um, I I knew how to work it on stage. So all that training in high school and performance (laughs) and and, and then walking. So I killed it. And so I was the favorite to go to either Miss Universe or Miss World. Um, the insiders didn't like that. So they were trying to find ways to disqualify me and, and my passport. And because I grew up here was the easiest, I, they thought I was an easy target. Yeah. And Filipinos by culture back then are uh, really conservative. And me, I'm like, I'm tell, I'm telling the truth, you guys. Um, and you guys are smearing my name on national television. Okay, let's take this to court. So I took it to court and I won. So oh I, yeah. So this was like huge <laughs> back then. Yeah, it was wow. all over the news. Yeah, and that's how I got my manager. But I digress. Um, just to, <laughs> how much, I immediately was like, how much money did you win? I know. No, uh, trauma was what I won. Oh, man. <laughs> so oh, I got reinstated back into the pageant, did the whole, you know, I honestly, I was already done. I was like, man, this is, I just, I want to spend the rest of my time on vacation. I don't want to do this pageant, but my mom and the people around me were like, just do it. You're going to grow from it. Um, and so I kind of had to roll my sleeves up and be strong as a young kid doing this pageant. Um, I learned a lot to handle that kind of pressure. Um, but you know, like I made top 10 answered the question and, and, you know, I should have placed higher. I I wish I can show you the video and you're like, Oh, hell no. But (laughs) (laughs) You were um, robbed. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so that um so all of the press that I was getting was how my manager found me um online. Um there wasn't any social media back then. Back then Google was like just articles. Um yeah. and um a couple of years later he reached out and said, Hey, you know, and he happened Ray. His name is Ray. He happened to be uh, Eddie Murphy's cousin. <laughs> so he was what? like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your life. Right. <laughs> so, um, um, so I told my mom that it was funny, too, because when I decided to move back to the United States to just finish my education, and I was already kind of traumatized from the whole pageant scene, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I needed to heal because I was heartbroken. 
Um, and so I went back to the States, just did the whole school thing. And then while at school, okay, this is another thing that I'm kind of shy to tell you, but I might as well since I'm talking about it now. Um, Man, I won- I'm getting them left <laughs> and right. This is great. <laughs> I won um, Maxim, Maxim Magazine's model of, I forget what it's called because it oh, was like in the early 2000s, God. but it was Maxim Magazine. So I had to do this whole photo shoot with them. And, um, and I met my manager in New York. <laughs> It would just like one after another, you know how like synchronicities happen. My life yeah. is exemplifies synchronicity yeah. like, to the fullest extent. Maxim was a huge deal back then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so. just, rem- I mean, you know, print is uh, struggles, whatever, but I remember in high school, like Maxim magazine, man, all the boys having them, <laughs> you know, their duffel bags, <laughs> like it. Wow. So you were on the cover then? Were you? On I the was, cover? I had a layout. I you wasn't on layout. the cover. Yeah. The cover, okay, uh, the whatever. cover. I'll take a layout. Cover. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. I'll settle for the layout. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's wild. Okay. So then what happens after, where do you go after Maxim? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I thought that was it. And, um, so my manager had reached out, um, before I went to New York and I said, Hey, Oh my God, that's, that's, the timing couldn't have been perfect because I'm headed to New York. So we meet in New York. Uh, he, t- he told me what he does. And, um, maybe six months after I got back, um, I moved to Los Angeles. And so that's when, um, my career in entertainment began officially. So that I want to say that was 2004 ish. When did you drop out of school? Cause you started going to school. Yeah, I did. I, I dropped out like my second year of, okay. of communications. Uh, it's funny because my teacher at the time, he's like, you don't need a, a, a degree to be a journalism person. I'm like, what? Then what am I doing here? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was an easy decision. I'm like, okay, see ya. I'm going to Hollywood. Okay. Bye. <laughs> wow, that guy. Way to sell it. I know. <laughs> okay, so you drop out in 2004. That's when I graduated high school. Hey. <laughs> I'm 35. I'm not that much younger than you. Um Okay, so then you're in LA and you decide to go full all in on the like acting stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, you know, was taking classes. I mean, you have to to be practicing on your craft all the time. Um, so you know, I was taking classes, getting headshots made and stuff like that. Yeah. Can I ask a lot of like dumb, kind of maybe shallow sounding questions? I mean I, I live you're, for it. What's up? <laughs> okay, great. I think you're like my only friend. <laughs> you're my friend now. Um, I just don't, I don't know anybody that's like done the thing. You know, you see this depicted in movies, sitcoms, everything. <clears throat> it's like you moved to LA to try to make your dream happen as an actress or actor, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I just need more details because I feel like as with everything, it's probably depicted in a certain way. I definitely yeah. know that like, actors are always taking classes and you do need the headshots. How expensive are the headshots? That's like a thing, right? I mean, you meet so many photographers that are trying to make a living doing headshots, but before you could do that, like you, you have to have some sort of portfolio to show um, your range as a headshot photographer. 
Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, you know, I, um, I, back then there was a model mayhem. So I would meet a bunch of photographers that wanted to work with me because I was on Maxim and stuff like that. And I did the pageant oh. stuff. And so in the beginning, my, my headshots were trade. Um, mm. But the really good headshot photographers, I mean, honestly, if I can turn back time, I probably should have invested in a good headshot photographer because then you would get more auditions. Um, yeah. So casting directors, when they look at your stuff, the first, this is how they scan it. Say like it's a piece, it, um, say like this is like a piece, like what they're looking at online and there's like rows of pictures. They scan oh, it yeah. and they see, they, they pick the ones that stick out. So that's their initial thing. And that's how you get called in for auditions. So I wish that I went straight to a, a good headshot photographer. Um, so I would have, you know, but I was a struggling actress and, um, uh, getting trade for, for photographs was, was the only way, what I could do. I didn't want to pay like four or five, $600 for headshots. And so for those listening, she held up a notebook and I would envision it, I guess you can describe it as like a page of yearbook where it's just like rows of people's headshots. Yeah. That is so interesting. We're going to relate it back to jewelry, which is <laughs> the art community. We're like, as somebody who's juried exhibitions, you get fatigue from looking at all these pictures, you know, everybody's pictures are like pretty good. But when you do go through like slide after slide after slide, sometimes there's just, you know, that one image that is so much better than everybody else's. And even if the work is not better, the image is better. And then they get in because their image caught your eye and attention. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And that's why I say, I mean, my work getting into some stuff has always been kind of like, that's pretty good. But I have always had baller images. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love photography. And, um, if you can make your, your stuff stand out using good photography, why not? Yeah. Yeah. So I, the half the battle, it seems like when you're just beginning, Oh God, I can't even imagine like how competitive, competitive it is. It is in LA, et cetera. Um, but you had an upper hand because you already had a manager. Yeah, I had a manager. Um, the thing that trained uh, that helped me too was my training in the pageantry and learning how to stick out, um, especially mm. in an audition situation. You, it's uh, one thing that I've learned was turning it on. Um, so yeah. uh, I was able to get um, agency right away as well. Um, you just have to okay. turn up that bubbly personality. And what does uh, that mean getting agency? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so, okay. The way they did it before is that they would have open calls. Um, they probably, I, I'm trying to remember, like they would call <laughs> you in and then you wait in the hall with a bunch of other actors. And then you go in with the sides, which is like a script you have to, mm-hmm. to, you know, perform, but they do an interview either before or after. And so that is when um, I know I am capable of winning them is, yeah. is showing my personality and then having them fall in love with you. And then reading your, I mean, anything, you could be doing a bad job acting, but then if you win them, you're yeah. in. It's weird how it's like that. You know, it's, it's this total, yeah. Per, yeah, it's this whole thing, this whole package thing 
that they look for. Um, I'm not sure if it's like that now um, as um, so much because now it's like, um, what do you call it? Uh, you pre-tape your auditions, self-tape. Yeah. They do self-tapes now, which is my boyfriend is an actor. So oh, we're having it. to do a lot of the self-tapes. So I'm not sure if it's more of the, the star quality they look for now as, as opposed to now it's about talent. I don't know. That is so interesting. I mean, I, I get that because I see that in different aspects as well. I think, you know, you talk about like job interviews. Um, I think I'm pretty good at turning it on as well. I think it's from like high school, like yeah, show choir, et cetera. Sure. Um, not going to lie. I can talk real well. And, uh, on certain occasions, people have called me a charmer. And I think, (laughs) you know, like I do interview really well. And I think that some people can be so incredibly talented and really perfect for a position, but if they can't have that magic in that like 20 minute or 30 minute interaction, they're kind of doomed and totally. really hard. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the, the, one of the important like kernels of wisdom that I had um, um, learned during the pageants is that thing that mm-hmm. makes someone stick out. And um, you know, it, it is extremely competitive. Like when I was doing it, there weren't very many um, Asians uh, doing the Hollywood thing, or at least I didn't see a lot of them when, when I was auditioning. And mm-hmm. so even though, um, and there could have been a lot, I don't know. I just yeah. didn't see them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I went to the audition knowing that if I can charm them, I, I get the parts and I, I would normally get a lot of the parts that I would audition pull for. But there was the, there came a time when I was kind of sick of the stuff that I was auditioning for. Like, yeah. What um, kind of stuff? Like commercials or sitcom roles? I was mostly focused on my, my boyfriend books commercials like nothing. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, but for me, I had a hard time booking commercials for some reason, but I had an easier time booking a film, television parts. Um, okay. Yeah, it's, it's weird because I wanted to do commercials. I mean, the pay was excellent. You, you get like ten or $15,000 for working one or two days plus residuals from when it airs, you could potentially oh. make up to fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year doing commercials. So I wanted is to that do- still a thing? I'm not that sure. Kind of Maybe not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, Back then it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, my boyfriend can speak on that more um, because he's fully plugged into that now. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, what was I saying? I- <laughs> I was going somewhere with that. (laughs) Well, I was asking you about what kind of auditions you were doing because you were kind of bored of them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the kind of stuff that, um, and I'll have to show you my reel someday, but, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, I I felt like I was, um, I was really confident with my acting skills and the kind of stuff I was going out on was like sexy girl and, you know, Mm um, and the thing is, like, my personality, I'm not that. Like, I'm such a tomboy. And yeah. I literally had to go outside of the box, go outside of my comfort zone to play those types of roles. Um, yeah. 
And, and, but because physically back then I looked the part of the sexy girl, um, that's all I got. And it got really frustrating that um, after my, my role, I did a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway. And like, I had to be half naked in, in that part. Mm-hmm. And, and my manager, at first I said no, when I booked the part, because I was uncomfortable with, um, you know, but I wanted to audition for the director because I wanted yeah, to yeah. be seen by the director. Um, mm-hmm. So when they told me I got the part, I initially I declined it. And then my manager's like, dude, you're going to regret declining this part. And then so I, I thought about it for a little bit for a while. And then eventually I agreed to do it, believing that it would change um, after doing this movie. But I got more stuff where I had to be half naked and stuff like that. And I didn't want to make a career out of that. I felt like I, I deserved better. I could do a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And so I chopped off my hair. There was uh, uh, um, at one point, like my hair was like almost shaved. Wow. Yeah. Oh, to kind of like shed yourself of this like quintessential sexy Asian yeah. with long hair, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I saw you. You guys, she posted some pictures on Instagram and her stories the other day. You're like, let's go down memory memory lane. And I was like, yes, let's, let's show <laughs> And the picture of you with like Jake Gyllenhaal, you're like hugging him from the side. You're super tan. You do look like that sexy girl. And I was just like, oh my God. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So then was your manager pissed as hell when you chopped your hair off? My manager? No, because he, he used to watch me, um, during showcases. He knew my, my skills. So he understood he was really supportive. He understood that I needed to do that to change my look. Yeah. Cause if they're going by look, I'm like, okay, let me chop off my hair. My agents were the ones that were mad. Yeah. 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 So, um, the quality of my roles got better, but the amount of auditions that I got were a lot less. And so Mm. I was going through this thing of, of questioning, uh, whether I wanted to still be acting and my passion for it was starting to wane. And, um, and, and, and being an actor, you have a lot of time in your hands. So, um, you're able to explore different mediums. And for me, like I was going through a lot of stuff during that time. And um, that's when I started jewelry making. Oh, really? Yeah. Doing the bracelets and yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got into meditation, um, Vipassana meditation. I did this 10 day retreat, completely changed my life. And um, and so I, being an aspiring yogi, I was around crystals and stones and um, I was looking for mala bracelets, but the ones that I saw, I just didn't want to wear it. So I wanted to create stuff that I see myself wearing. And that's how it started. And then my friends were like, oh, my God, let me have some. So I, I'm like, oh, OK, so maybe this is something I could do on the side while I hustled in Hollywood. And and then yeah. it just one thing led to another. Thus, jewelry making began. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then a few more questions on the Hollywood life before we transition to the next phase, because yeah. ooh, I love it. But when you were <laughs> acting, were you supporting yourself? Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you were living, maybe not like comfortably, like you weren't struggling to get by when you were living off your acting? 
Um, I was actually uh, making a, a decent amount of money during that time. Yeah, yeah like, um, um, you know, but I did have side jobs because like with acting, you don't know when your next job is. Yeah. Um, so I supported, I did jobs like I used to paint. So I had, I wasn't like promoting my stuff. Like um, I wasn't in the art galleries or anything. I didn't even know really too much about that world, but I did have mm -hmm. a set of clients that I would, you know, create art for. So that was my side hustle, um, abstract paintings. And then I was a bartender at one point and I was a makeup artist for Matt Cosmetics at one point. Oh, and, of course you were. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I love this so much. <laughs> um, yeah. What else? I'm sure a lot of other jobs, yeah. but I can't think of it right now. So, okay. When you do something like, cause I just have no idea how much money I think everybody, you don't really think about the actors that are doing the smaller roles or the commercials or things like that. You just think about Nicole Kidman getting paid $3 million to film a film, but it say for example, the movie you did with Jake, I'm just going to call them by their first names, Jake and Anne. <laughs> um, like how much Sorry. money, like what? <laughs> <laughs> oh god um how much money did you make for that role can you remember like yeah I um I was thinking about that too because you know I had a feeling we we're going to talk about this um yeah, I'm trying to money, remember yes. how much money <laughs> um I made a lot um they they gave me uh play money too while I was on uh, uh in I I, I filmed in Philadelphia and they gave me um, per diem is what I was looking for. Oh they yeah. Gave me per diem. They gave me like a thousand dollars just to whatever. While like I was a there. week or a day or uh, for the just whole. Like, oh. Yeah. I was there from, I think it was like for less than a week. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then, and they paid me, I want to say $10,000 for my role. And I got residual. So after the movie came out, I was getting paid like maybe $5,000 or more a month. Okay. What's the Every movie? Okay. There we go. I, she's been so giving with the information. I knew somewhere you're going to be like, okay, that's where I draw the line. I just, um, yeah. Well, cause, um, <clears throat> all right. So the thing with Hollywood too, you know, doing being the Philippines and then Maxim and, um, you know, the stuff that I've done, I mean, mind you, they were only like supporting co-starring roles, but you yeah. get fans that are crazy and, and, mm. and just stalkerish. I used to get like mail with fingernails, you know, and I used to get followed home by producers. And this is where my protective manager would step in, you know, like he would like oh, literally wow. push them against the wall. You better not. So like it's it's not behind the the glamour and the glitz and stuff like that it's really not a safe space for women which is largely why i also question being in the industry because that happened a lot to me and yeah. um yeah i wasn't happy with that i didn't i love the acting side of it i love the artistry side of it but the the business and um the outside stuff is really unnecessary well, you know, it's interesting because I've been to LA a handful of times and um, something happens 
once I leave LAX that immediately I start questioning everything I'm wearing and my self-esteem just like slowly dwindles somehow, you know, like I feel like you feel this pressure there in a way that I don't feel. And I mean, when I'm in New York city, I constantly feel like I'm a popper. Like, I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm so poor because you can just see this extreme wealth all around you. And I feel like when I'm in LA, I kind of pick apart the clothing I'm wearing or you know, my physical physique, because you're so hyper aware that so many people there are focused on it. And it's part of the industry. That's the unfortunate thing um, about the industry as a whole is that they create this kind of persona that it's about and it is to some extent like that, but you find your group that's not like that. You know, Um, um, the, the, the kind of friends that I surround myself with that are in the industry that I have continued to have relationships with are very spiritual, very grounded. So you find your, your, your soul family, um, in the industry. Yeah. But unfortunately it, 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 it's like that. It's, it's annoying, but unfortunate because it's like, Oh, you're still there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I get that. So, okay. When you, a little while ago, I remember we were kind of emailing. Christina has been really patient with me because I've had a hard time wanting to do the podcast. I think we're all struggling right now, and it's fair to be honest about that. Yeah. Um, but I remember you were like, okay, so I'm going on this 10-day retreat. But I was like, oh, can't return my email right now. I'll just wait till she gets back. But you put on out there that it was, um, was it a meditation tr- retreat that you went on? Yeah, a meditation retreat. So you said that you went on one while you were still like acting and et cetera. Um, can you tell me more about that and what oh was God. the intention behind it? Oh, I, like you have to try it once and you'll totally get why I'm, I'm so into it. It's so valuable. Um, mm-hmm. um, okay. So where do I begin with that? So 10 day, I, I went to, you know, um, heal for certain, heal certain aspects of myself that were not serving me anymore, like in 2011. And, and so, um, and I needed to go away, get away, um, get out of town, get away, even though it was still in LA, yeah. <laughs> just in case I get an audition. <laughs> so uh, we, can't, we can't go, t- we're not going cold turkey here, people. <laughs> So um, I went to a 10 day meditation and it just, it was eye opening. Um, I had quit eating meat. I, I, I'm still trying to, you know, um, stop eating fish and that's the hard part for me, but I became a uh, pescatarian right after. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do this 10 day meditation retreat, you detox your body spiritually, mentally, physically, and you start seeing things so clearly. I feel like you almost become like a psychic. You're like a seer. Um, that's what it has done for me. Um, it's calmed me down a little bit too because I didn't realize at the time that I, okay, so here's your physical physical body rooted on the ground, but then your spiritual body is up there. I felt like I was up there. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to be reeled back in (laughs) and um and so that's what it did for me and then um all of these like once okay you know the saying um what 
or the idea that what is happening inside your body is a reflection of what's happening outside. So yeah. until you heal certain aspects of yourself, then you will continue to experience certain things that no longer serves you. You may complain about, oh, you know, this tends to happen in my life and you have no idea why it continues to happen. But if you start eradicating things, repetitive patterns that don't serve you, those things will stop. So that's what it mm. has done for me. And, um, and I thought that at one point I was going to end up to be some sort of like healer, uh, energy healer. I was into yoga. I mean, I was just really exploring at the time um, um, when acting was starting to be like uh, um, too much, too much for me, like a burden. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I was exploring other things and um yeah. So, and mm. I made the, the, I, th I thought I was going to go every year, but then, you know, jewelry making stuff like took me. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got into jewelry and then I haven't gone, um, but I used to go every year. I've done um, four 10 day meditations retreats so far and maybe five, uh, three to five day meditation um, courses. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, when my mother passed away, I got a therapist and I really didn't want a therapist that was going to try to medicate me at all. Um, and she was a Buddhist mm. and she really pushed me to try meditation. I will say I've never really given it a true shot. Um, you know, you download the apps or you read about it and you try, um, but I have an eye twitch that is getting really bad. <laughs> and like lately I've been like, it's my body telling me I'm not okay. Right. Um, and they, you know, I'm researching it and it comes and goes. The last time I had it was when I was living at a fellowship and it was pretty bad. And I cut down on caffeine and, you know, it comes from like stress and lack of sleep. So lately I've been looking into that. If you're somebody like me who like can't really take a retreat right now because there's a pandemic or et cetera, is there, what would you say is like a good baby step for somebody who maybe just needs to try to find something to help them chill out? Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm here for you regarding that. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So when I got into it, uh, my friend, I had a friend, still my friend, um, at, a t at the time who actually encouraged me to do this 10 day retreat, not, and I didn't know anything. I mean, I practiced yeah. meditation, but it was just because I was so woo. -woo I wanted to be a psychic or, or just find my magical power. So I was going into meditation for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my friend was like, Oh, you got to go to this 10 day, you know, maybe that will help you, you know, somehow you'll find yourself. I don't know. And I'm like, okay, cool. And come to find that my friend has never even taken it. He's only like heard about it. <laughs> and so I go into this thing, not knowing anything. So that helped me. Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't in my way and I just, ju just jumped in, you know, and went yeah. with the flow, but baby steps. Um, I really believe that you can do it. If you apply, like if you applied and got in, you apply six months in advance and then you dedicate those 10 days, just focus on the meditation. I highly go uh, recommend doing that. Just jump in. Mm -hmm. But if you had to do baby steps, yoga is a good one. And um, yeah. 
doing your own meditations, like sit like maybe five to 10 minutes of, of, um, so what I do is silent meditation, which is, um, which involves a body scan. So you close your eyes, cross-legged, um, and you scan your body up and down for sensations. But first you begin the meditation by breathing, being aware of the sensations that happen between your nostrils and the top of your lip. So you, you breathe in and you breathe out and you, you, Mm -hmm. that helps you develop the sensitivities to, um, also feel, uh, the sensations that's going on in your body. So, um, that is the introduction to bodily sensations. And then you do the scan for five to 10 minutes. Once you master that, and like 30 minutes will fly by an hour will fly by. It literally feels like you're in a time machine and an hour passes by And then you realize that time becomes an illusion through meditation. It, it has a very interesting way of uh, showing you that, but um, little at a time, five to 10 minutes is good and then increase it. Yeah. Um, and it gets easier and easier every time. Um, but, and, and then if you apply that with yoga, and use yoga mm-hmm. and meditation. Magic. You guys, yeah. she looks, you should see her face right now. She's like, yeah, girl, that's the magic right there. The sweet spot. Do you currently take time every day to meditate? Like, do you have an ongoing practice right now? I do. Um, I meditate. So I try to wake up at 4.30 in the morning every day. And then I meditate for, depending on when I wake up and sit. I, I really try to meditate for an hour, but if I can't, 20 minutes is the lowest. And then mm-hmm. I do it right before I go to bed. So with Vipassana meditation, you want to maintain the practice with a morning and evening sit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yoga. Um, if you wake up at 4.30 in the morning, what time do you go to bed? I go to bed around 10. That's still not that long. Wow. Yeah. But see, okay. Like one of the things that I also um, learned through the discourses is that like, let's just say you can't fall asleep as long as you, you could literally lie down, have your eyes closed and do the the, uh, meditation body scan practice, Mm -hmm. silencing your mind, having it calm, focus on your breath and then scanning your bodily sensations that that is enough rest yeah it's interesting yeah oh, so okay so even if you're yeah. waking up at 4 30 in the morning you're still resting for another 20 minutes to an hour because you're meditating but you're aware yeah exactly but your your conscious is aware like you're completely aware of what's going on and by the time that it ends it's like you're you're on caffeine it's you're wide awake oh do you drink coffee in the morning i do <laughs> Okay. I still do. <laughs> this is getting a little too much for me. I was like, I can't give it up. I can't wake up before. <laughs> but as okay, long as, good. I mean, um, as long as um, you are practicing, uh, the first thing you do is you practice right when you wake up and then it would be like right before you go to bed. Yeah. As long as you're doing that. I mean, I choose to do it at 4.30 because if I don't do it early enough, then I can't focus on the other stuff that I have going on. Yeah. You know, you, you, 
spend a lot of time in the studio and and um, I, I I really want to ha have that extended. So I try to wake up as early as possible. Mm -hmm. So you start making these bracelets. People are liking them. When did you take the leap to really focus in on your jewelry practice? Um, so let's see when, okay. So when I met a metal Smith in 2011, showed me wire wrapping and there was a point where I was at a standstill with my skills. I'm like, there's gotta be more than just wire wrapping. Right. So, um, yeah. I was looking at different schools around my area and I wanted to go to a good art school and, um, community college, uh, what Pasadena city college was the one by reviews and it's right mm -hmm. next to art center or yeah. Art center in Pasadena, which is like this prestigious um, art school in California. Um, mm -hmm. And the teachers taught at Pasadena city, Pasadena city college. So um, I got, I went and took my first um, jewelry making class in the summer of 2015. And that was when I decided um, and applied for, the um the LLC of my company and then um I won a scholarship to the gemological institute and then that was it yeah that was it then um my teacher from Pasadena City College said that I should continue getting my education and since I don't have I didn't have my first bachelor's degree I yeah. was like well yeah, I, I think, you know, I definitely want to explore this. And um, she showed me that jewelry is can be contemporary. My, I'm really fortunate. Her name was April Kawaoka. She really opened my eyes to jewelry mm -hmm. as a contemporary art form and the potential that you can have with it. And then um, she encouraged me to apply for my BFA. So now I'm at um, Cal State Long Beach. Oh, so you're still in school. Oh, you're yeah, still doing the thing so do you no. <laughs> anyway, so have you have you ever been like full time or have you always just kind of folded in school as you continue to act and make jewelry and etc yeah so I was doing a lot of you know because I, I I want okay so I wasn't out in the real world before I went back to school so I got a taste mm -hmm. of how hard it could be so I wanted to figure out how I could have a career and balance it with school because um, what I learned in the entertainment industry is that an opportunity can come in and, and it, it, it can take you by surprise. You never know when an opportunity is going to come. So um, from that, I learned that um, you, I, I wanted to figure out how I can have a career and go to school. Um, okay, so when I was going to GIA, you know, I had already learned how to solder and you know all the basic skills yeah. i learned how to do that and then um i was really passionate about and i still am i love bernie sanders I was really passionate mm -hmm. about his cause and my boyfriend and i were so gung-ho into it you know and he's like he's for the people so i was um i was making these uh bernie uh bernie sanders pendant of his silhouette and mm -hmm. um and 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 it caught the attention of uh, Jane Sanders, um, Bernie's wife, and she plugged it. And so, what? Oh, yeah. So, Wait, so you're at a thing. community college <laughs> taking a jewelry class. Yeah. 
and you're I like, you. I can pierce like none other. <laughs> going to do a simple Bernie silhouette. What, did you even solder the jump rings onto the chain? I did. I did everything okay, to the T. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm yeah, I tell you, my life has been full of synchronicity. It's like it would just like here. Let me see if you're ready for it. Um, yeah, so, so she buys I, one. I'm guessing, right? <laughs> I gave it to her, and then she plugged it. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. There it is. Yeah, yep. awesome. Yeah. So, and she didn't have to do that. Like, I, w- my boyfriend, and I went to yeah. one of his caucuses in San Diego, and we were just really grateful to um, be around that environment. And then she plugged it. I was like, what? And so, um, of course I'm going to plug it on Facebook. Um, Facebook ads weren't a thing back then. So I was like Mm -hmm. spending $20 a month on Facebook ads just to get people to uh, buy the pendant. Um, I was donating a hundred percent of the profits towards his campaign. So, Mm um, and I, I was, well, I'm not really technically making, um, because I wasn't keeping it, I was donating to the cause, but like yeah. just on that, like maybe five to $8,000 a month on Bernie pendants. I was so burnt out. Oh my God. Did you, you weren't, did you continue to hand pierce those or did you get them like laser cut or something? Girl, tell me you laser cut it. No, I, I wish <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that you could do that. I was just, yes, you're, too, <laughs> you're too new to it. You did I not know. know Wow, streamline yeah. that production. Whoa, yeah. that's crazy. My How sawing skills definitely got better. Um for about six months. Yeah. And so and then at this time. Out. Oh, sorry, what? Oh no, I was saying um it was only for six months because you know the whole thing that happened to him and then he stepped down from his um campaign. Yeah. I know. That was kind of yeah. that was a bummer. I remember that. I know, I was so heartbroken. Uh. I know. So then um, at this time, you're building your jewelry line, right? Like you're trying to actively make jewelry to live off of it or no? Um, I was, I was mostly focused in school. My, my focus back then was because I started the company from nothing. So my, my, my goal then after the whole Bernie thing. Okay, so um right after bernie sanders right the whole thing with bernie sanders i go to this uh five day meditation it might have been 10 days i don't remember but i i go to another one after school after the semester ended and right before i went back to pasadena city college um i went to this meditation retreat met this lady who um is a filmmaker and she Mm -hmm. saw my jewelry like the stuff that i was doing at the time oh I, I really love your stuff. You might as well. Um, um, would you like to make jewelry for my film? I'm like, sure. And then so and then I find out that the film that she was doing, she was producing. Um, Johnny Depp was in it. J.K. Simmons, Laura Dern, a bunch of big stars and Catherine Hardwick, Twilight, uh, Sam Raimi. Yeah. Uh, Freaking Spider-Man, you know, you had me at so, Laura Dern. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not Johnny Depp, no. <laughs> I mean, Johnny's okay. Johnny, you're fine, but Laura, oof. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did that, and then that got a lot of um, attention. Um, so my my counselor from 
GIA was like, oh, you better come up with a collection right away. I'm like, don't pressure me because like <laughs> <laughs> he was like really pushing me to, to um, I guess, capitalize on the attention that I was getting from being uh, involved in this film. But the artist side of me is like, well, if I make a collection, like for some reason, I was thinking back then you had to ha- uh, stick to that certain look. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. My mentor once told me she was like, if you're going to make something and put it out there and try to sell it, you better expect to keep on selling. You know, she was like, be careful what you make. Yeah. You, you're going to get stuck with it for who knows how long. Totally. And and yeah. also, I didn't really have a lot of, um, of the equipment that I needed. Um, after going to GIA, it gave me an idea of of what kind of stuff I wanted to make or, um, as, as far as skill wise, like what kind of skills mm-hmm. I wanted to use for the type of jewelry I wanted to make. But aesthetically, I wasn't, um, I wasn't ready yet to come out with a line that I, I can identify with. And so yeah. my focus back then for the next two years was to try to enter as many exhibitions that I can locally to um, earn the initial funding to start my business and also to afford the materials that I need to create a collection. So I didn't come out with my oh. collection until 2018. But during that time when I was um, um, doing exhibitions and stuff, it, it was a time for me to explore my aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. ex- and working with different materials and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I did a, I did like a production line of jewelry and it was definitely born from these like bigger one of a kind pieces. I think that's how a lot of people kind of create that. They start with something they make and then pull aesthetics from that to make smaller, more wearable, cheaper versions to sell to people. Right. Um, Yeah. You know what? I don't think we've actually clarified because we have a lot of listeners that are not necessarily jewelers. So when we say GIA, I'm like, Oh, right. They probably, hello. GIA is the Gemological Institute of America. Um, Most people know GIA because of the diamond grading system that they have. So if you've ever heard of a one carat diamond, well, carat is one of the four C's that the GIA has established to, yeah, not not the (laughs) carat or not also gold. No, not 14 carat gold. We're talking one carat (laughs) weight measurement, um, which is how they create the, they judge the value of a stone. So, but the GIA is so much more than that. Um, I inherited some money a couple years ago. And one thing I thought about doing was doing the GIA program actually. And where is it in California? I was Carlsbad. Carlsbad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, $30,000. I'm going to move out to California and I'm going to do this thing. I mean, well, I didn't do it. Um, I bought podcast equipment instead. Nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, part of the thing. Um, but so what, but there's a lot of different things you can do. You can get like your diamond grading certification. You can do gemstone certification. Um, one of my dear, dear friends, Daniel Wisner moved out there and he did their like CAD design and there's a lot of stuff. So what did you do there? Like what degree did you get? Um, so after, okay, so I, after I got the scholarship, I was contemplating on which area I wanted to, um, 
specialize in. Um, it was, well, the GG, which is the graduate gemologist um, degree. You know, I love crystals and stones, but I didn't want it to change my perception of how I looked at crystals, you know, um, mm. because, you know, I come from a whole spiritual community that has taught me to choose crystals or gemstones that you resonate with on uh, energetic level. It could be the mm-hmm. ugliest piece of crystal, but if it's powerful, powerful to you for some reason, you pick that stone. It's it's this whole yeah. other thing, and I didn't want to lose that sensibility. So uh, it was between CAD and graduate jeweler, um, and I end up picking graduate jeweler, and I'm so glad I did. the The program was incredible. It was for mm-hmm. six to eight months, I believe. I don't remember um, from. 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. It was intense. Oh yeah. So, so what is a with what is a graduate jeweler degree like? Fabrication techniques, production techniques. Yeah, yeah. Basically, oh. it's um everything. Uh, they they teach you the basic technical skills from ground zero. Um, but they also show you um the how um the production side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, stone setting, it's, it's yeah. focused on stone setting a lot. Um, yeah. Okay. Wow. And so did you move there? Did you commute there? Like how far? I, I don't know California well enough. Could you, where were you? Yeah. No, I moved there for, for, for the whole duration of the course. So I yeah. lived in San Marcos with, um, my cousin until it was done. Yeah. I wasn't going to drive too long it's like a two and a half hour drive to from los angeles to carlsbad okay then okay then that works for me there and then so would you say the majority of your peers that you graduated with are these the type of people that are going to harry winston tiffany jared the jeweler those kind of jobs to get work right away like what do you do yeah um so well, the kind of people that I was around, like the students that were there, come mm-hmm. from these really affluent families. Um, so, and some come from other jewelry companies. You know, they were sponsored there. Mm. Um, oh my God, you're but, not the first person to tell me this. Okay, okay. Yes. I'm I, holding back a little bit. I'm like, no. no but, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to name names or anything, but I have heard like, you know, like a diamond tycoon will send their, you know, like a, like the head from different countries that just are just like the most <laughs> richest families that are in these like raw materials and things like that will send their kids to study at the GIA because they're going to take over the empire. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Was it we like have a lot of talk about people? outside of this. <laughs> okay. Never mind. That's going to be the bonus episode that you have to pay to listen to. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was a def- definitely um, um, a very interesting experience. The educational part of it was incredible. I loved yeah. my instructors at GIA um, and everyone that worked at GIA. They were just, they were so generous with their time. Um, and has, and they really helped guide me, um, professionally to this day. Um, the curriculum is on point. They just, yeah, it's like Mm. four years of college in 
six months, <laughs> you know? Well, I don't have a degree. Um, but the one thing I am seriously thinking about, because it would really help me with my current role, um, my day job is getting my diamond certification or even more so like my gemstone certification. Um, yeah. So that's something I'm serious debating with like doing like moonlighting that. Yeah, you know. no, I highly recommend it. I mean, like at the time I didn't pick the GG program, but now I'm like, oh, I want to, I think I'm uh, mature enough to be able to have, to separate my spiritual side and looking at, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, a stone's worth, I don't know, like be able to um, balance the two before I was just, I wasn't ready. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, you'll learn a lot from, from if, if you plan on going to GIA specifically, they do a really great job in their mm-hmm. curriculum. Yeah. I love it. So you finished GIA and you're forming, you're doing exhibitions to win some prize money and gather tools, et cetera. We all know, Ooh, we all know that phase where you leave that beautiful facility and all the tools oh, behind. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like cold out in the wilderness alone without <laughs> any tools or a kill. Exactly. Um, oh my God. Oh, it's the worst. So how did you trans, how did you ease that transition for yourself? Did you have like a shared studio space with anybody? No. Um, so, um, well, I was, I was living, I was living with my boyfriend at his parents' house um, at the time. Um, his father loved me. And so, mm-hmm. and he was there for my graduation and he was kind enough to build a studio for me in the backyard. Um, mm-hmm. They wanted, because it was so loud inside the house and I was l- using their living room to make jewelry. So they moved <laughs> me outside. <laughs> Don't blame so, them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, so I was lucky in that department. Um, and then just one by one, slowly for the next two years, I just, anytime I won something, um, you know, I would get certain things that I would need. GIA gave me an idea of what I needed in the studio to make yeah. certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, exhibitions doing that for two years, I went about $15,000 to $20,000. Good Lord woman. What? I that's interesting. <laughs> like I've never really heard anybody say like, yeah, I just like went into a bunch of exhibitions to win money to buy my tools. Like, yeah, I guess I never really think about that. If you do a bunch of exhibitions, there's typically prize money tied to yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, yeah. especially at Pasadena for some right reason, they were like really generous. So I was winning every semester. Um, and But I was using that money specifically just to get my studio started. So I was like cup of noodles for a while. Yeah. What was your day job during this time? Are you still acting? Worked- when did you break up with your manager? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I I stopped working with my manager in 2011, but another manager had signed me, and uh, he hasn't even completely released me from contractually. So um, my agency, too, still have me in the roster. It's so weird, and they still email me, but I just don't, like... <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 
No, but so you really my, haven't my, like severed ties. No. Um, like I told him too. like, I was just like, you guys know when I'm ready, if I'm ready or if I ever come back. Um, but it, it's mostly my boyfriend and his manager that still try to get me out, you know? And, yeah. um, like we did a commercial, um, during the summer. So that was good pocket money. Yeah. So it my it's it's my boyfriend manager managers is still trying to push me to to do it. Um, I just ugh, it's a whole other mindset, and I just yeah. I, jewelry takes so much of my time that I just you know. But if if I have time and I can make some money on the side, okay, I'll do it. Um, yeah. yeah, that's fair. I yeah. I made a post on Instagram today where. <laughs> I submitted work, quote unquote, work for Munich Jewelry Week, but it's going to be a series of like storytelling related to jewelry. But when you were saying that, I was like, yeah, I kind of get that. Like, I'm, I'm kind of not in the process of making right now. And it's hard to just like jump right back in it at the bench and be like, now I'm going to make where my mind is like, no, I love the podcast more. And I love talking to people and sharing their stories. And so I'm trying to figure out how to make that work for me within this, you know, realm of like exhibiting or showing work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see I know. why it'd be really hard to jump from like jeweler world to back to acting world. It's like so different. It could it's be jarring. so different. Yeah. Maybe the only relation, um, kind of the only crossroads would be when I'm kind of filming, um, shenanigans or, or fun stuff for social media but even taking the time out to film content that yeah. I mean I'm making jewelry okay let me film this uh you know it's it's yeah you have to have you know you set up your your film or your phone whatever you're using and then the lighting has to be so it's a whole process too mm-hmm. yeah. yeah let's get to the fun part so you know you have your, you're growing your business, you're growing, um, tin house. Can you share with everyone? Um, something I felt was really interesting. Let me give the the listeners insight to this. So you had mentioned in the beginning that you did apply to Halstead, the grant Mm -hmm. beforehand, um, in the first years of starting your business. Um, were you a finalist then, or did you just apply? I was a finalist. Yeah. I was, Oh, you were a finalist. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, because they were, guys, they were kind enough to let me in. Looking back, <laughs> I'm like, wow, how did I make top 10? <laughs> Knowing what I know yeah. now, they are so nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do have, they have top 10 finalists, and then they have their top five, and then, of course, they have their winner. Top five finalists, I think all top 10, there is some financial reward. I think, like, top 10. Yeah. They, yeah. they gave me 250 for being in the top 10. Yeah. And then top five, get 500, 500. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. the winner, of course, 7,500. Um, but one thing I really love is amount of work. And as the judge, I did not have to do this, (laughs) but, um, they give feedback on applications, which is so valuable. Um, and so when I was reading, are you comfortable with me referring to your application in any ways? I'm not going to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah. No worries. Okay. Yeah, totally. Um, I just remember you discussing the name of your business, which is Tin House, and you acknowledging the fact that you had gotten feedback 
from your previous application about how that could be confusing because you're saying tin and you work in mm-hmm. sterling silver, et cetera. And you're like, thank you for that feedback. But this name means a lot to me and I'm sticking with it. And I was just like, I like her attitude. <laughs> you know, like it's, you know it's, it's important. You know, you do need to get feedback. And as artists, we have critiques and et cetera. And I think something you can really have a hard time with is when somebody you really that like, um, admire or your, their opinion or input is really important to you mm-hmm. or they, um, can, you know, they have the power to give you $7,500 award. Um, mm-hmm. and you don't take it right. You don't have to do everything that people suggest in critiques. And, yeah. um, I think it's a, there's other parts in your application that you did acknowledge that they had giving you feedback on it and you did take that direction and yeah. you went even above and beyond what they were suggesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something so powerful or like important in individuals to be able to take criticism and feedback and suggestions and know what to go with and what to sit, stand your ground with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was important um, for me to also um, feel like I'm being myself, you know, cause in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm gonna end up winning this, whether it be the whole thing, or as a finalist, I want to go away, walk away from it, knowing that I was myself. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in general. So, um, and I did, I, I tested the name out first, uh, to see if um, the feedback, um, if, if what they were saying was right, like that, the name could potentially, because that was in my feedback report, they had talked about the name a lot. That was one of the issues. And Tin is my childhood nickname. So I thought it was clever to have it as Tin House. And, um, and so luckily, it wasn't an issue when I was doing um, the, 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 the shows that I was doing it, it it was it caught people Mm -hmm. by um, it caught people's attention. They thought it was a unique name. And luckily I did mm-hmm. a survey too. Um, and I didn't want to go with Christina Grace Designs. I just, it, you know, it yeah. just didn't, it doesn't fit my personality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying your name in designs or yeah. your name in jewelry or whatever. But I do love that you have this really distinct name. Um yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Yay. So, um, other things in the application though, what really, what made you stand out to me was the way you spoke about and how much time and effort, um, and resources you're putting into continuing your education to grow as an entrepreneur, as a jeweler, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think you <clears throat> talked about working with like a PR company. You talked about having like a mentor, I want to say something about Google here. Yeah. Um, I read a so, lot of applications. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> no <tell me. laughs> um, so after my first application, um, this is right before I transferred over to Long Beach. It gave mm-hmm. me structure in what I wanted to learn going into the CSU system. So from that application, I'm like, okay, I'm taking marketing also. And, um, and so, yeah, the, the journey began. I took marketing. It, it, now I understood what they were asking. I, I understood what they were looking for or like mm-hmm. the marketing lingo. Um, 
And what else did I learn? Um, it just basically gave me a lot of structure. And so I, I dove deeply into marketing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I got into Google. So, um, so on TikTok, I had met, there's a lot of marketers on TikTok. Good God. And, I got to get on TikTok, don't I? Oh, you have to. <sighs> it's so underrated and I don't know why, but okay. If people don't want to go on it, I'll be on it. <laughs> you know, but it's- <laughs> no, I just, I feel like, I feel like I'm lost on there. No, I'm going to have an account. I'm going to, I'm going to try Christina. No, it's, 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 you learn so much and, and you're going to be a little lost in the beginning. And I was too. And it's because the algorithm is getting to know you in the beginning. Yeah. Once it gets to know you, then it's going to um, um, show you content that you would be interested in. In the beginning, you're going to see a bunch of teenagers dancing to music, but yeah, after a while, exactly. you're, yeah, no, for thankfully it doesn't show me that anymore. <laughs> it's 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 mostly adults that I that I'm around um on TikTok. And sometimes um kids reach out to me asking for jewelry making advice, which I love. So yeah. I can be a mentor in that in that field. Um but now I, I, I'm seeing a lot of marketers and I connected to this one um um person um, Maddie, who is, um, I think she's like a marketing manager. I forget her position, but she she's on Google. Mm-hmm. So she has been able to give me some sound advice on, on on Facebook marketing, Google, and using TikTok. In the beginning, mm-hmm. um, you're probably gonna ha- most of your audience are gonna be the Gen Z audience. But I mean, if you think about it, within four to five years, they're gonna be, you know able to purchase jewelry they're going to be part of like you know the consumer community um yeah. and so and it's good to be on there because i think it, i read somewhere around three million users that are on tiktok are not on instagram so you're getting exposed to a totally different audience and the most important thing to remember if you're going to go on that app is authenticity mm, it's it's okay. so different it's so different uh, you will really appreciate TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now on Instagram, it's, it's the feel is like curated feeds and yeah, it's transitioning now. Yeah. No. Um, but it used to be really, really tr- curated feed, very aesthetic driven. Whereas TikTok is about community. It's about connecting with your audience. Um, and and being comfortable in your own skin because uh, for a while I didn't want to be in front of the camera as weird as that sound because, you know, we were talking about the entertainment industry, but I wanted to be as behind the scenes as possible. But TikTok has, has made me comfortable going in front of the camera again. So I was practicing on there before I started posting content on Instagram with myself being in front of the camera. Oh, that's really interesting how it kind of was your, your leeway to that. Huh. And I do, you know, when you were saying how authenticity is really important through that, um, I have been noticing a shift on Instagram where, you know, obviously one of my phrases with this podcast has been radical transparency. I have no, I'm not really interested in like giving the facade of like, look how like, you know, like, look how productive I am all the time or look at my pretty little life, you know, like things are messy and I'm 
following people on Instagram, um, I'm finding that the influencers that are like coming up or being suggested to me or things like that are people that are, you know, like one woman is this woman, Danae, who is got millions of followers and she's showing how influencers take photos to distort their body and a body image, you know, she's like, yeah. here's my cellulite or, you know, things like that. And I, I could see how I might really like TikTok. Oh, okay. you're going to love TikTok. You can go on there <sighs> with no makeup at all and they'll love you for it more than oh, a good. person who wear makeup anyways. Holla. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like, oh, good, my people. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, so we'll have you know, to have a follow up for me to like show you how I'm doing on TikTok in a couple months. Yeah, no, I would go I'm on there really now. With Instagram. Okay, so yeah. the thing with TikTok and Instagram, the reason why we have reels now is because of TikTok. Uh, during yeah. the quarantine, there were I think it was like two billion downloads of the app. It was huge during mm -hmm. quarantine, and the whole thing of TikTok getting canceled. I don't want to get into the whole conspiracy theory of that. But there's a reason why that's yeah. happening and why Reels came into fruition on Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. Zuckerberg wanted to buy TikTok, but I think it was something like he was outbought or something like that. Yes, the so New York Times says, reported on this. Yeah, so that mm -hmm. says a lot. So TikTok, uh, I don't know if I could be a seer in the future, I feel like it's going to take over. So I would say <laughs> okay. that go on there. Um, but I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I would say go on there before it gets too oversaturated. Okay. Good. Stick your claim yeah. early on. Um, wow. I can talk to you forever. I just realized that we've been <laughs> Oh, wow. It's been a while. Like, I, I know. Well, we have to get to the good. That's why I'm going to jump us to the good parts. Um, because none of it I'm was nosy. good. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, no, no, no. Yeah. But no, the good part, meaning the part where I ask you to talk about how you're spending that prize money. Oh, so, Yeah. Give me the rundown. It's more than just a $7,500 grant. What else do you get as the winner um, of the Halstead grant? So you get the PR behind it, which is great. They are have been doing such a great job in getting um, uh, my company out there. So I'm really so thankful. Yeah. Like, I, I just believe in my heart that if more people knew about the company, you know, they, they'd appreciate it, you know, for, for what it is. Um, but so they're really good at the PR um, as far as the grant money. I have intentions of using it for trade shows. Um, okay. Yeah. And so a huge chunk of it is still intact. I'm like saving that for, for trade shows. I did dabble a little mm -hmm. bit on Facebook and Instagram marketing, but I feel like my, my, my following has to increase a lot more before I invest money into that. Yeah. Cause otherwise yeah. then I'd be wasting money, you know, um, trying to, you know, market um, to the same people over. Right. Right. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, because back in the day you can invest $20 a month on, on Facebook ads, um, and make a killing. Now they, it's not like that at all. They changed. I'm like, I yeah, remember when I, 
I would be on the Facebook marketing team. I'm like, you guys freaking change this. So people would be investing more money into their ads. Like I remember Mm -hmm. there was a time I was investing so little a month and fully maximizing. Now it's not like that. So yeah. That's frustrating. Right. And then I remember this from the, well, because I actually really like that part of the application where they, they ask you to outline how you're going to spend that money. Mm -hmm. Um, your intentions behind it. And then there's also a thousand dollar gift card. Yeah. So a thousand dollars in, in materials. Um, so I spent maybe half of it so far during the spring, uh, sorry, um, the winter season to, and I still have, um, a lot of it. Um, I'm not even done. Like I have so many ideas running in my head and the, the process is, 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 it's a long, not too long of a process, but you know, jewelry, jewelry making from start to finish can be a long process. Um, so, um, I need to be better about, um, writing down my ideas (laughs) because sometimes I'll have it and I'll forget it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but yeah, no, I I really just want to focus, um, on the prize money going towards promoting my business. Um, so I, I, I value, um, connections with people. So it's important for me to, um, to spend that money wisely. Uh, so therefore like the trade shows and stuff like that, when that happens, um, for now, I don't mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm looking into, um, virtual shows, but I, I, Mm -hmm would need to do a lot more research to see if it would be worth the investment. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Christina, every time you pop that pin, I hear that. So. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. Normally when I'm face to face, you guys, it's so funny. I just thought about this, you know, virtual recording I'm learning, but when I do it in person, I usually talk to the people because they do you do um, things when you speak that you don't think about people tap Mm -hmm. the table and things like that. So I give my spiel when I'm like, hi, welcome to recording with me. Don't touch the microphone. Don't tap the table. Don't (laughs) don't kick your knee against the table either. And I just kept hearing this like, pop, 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 pop. Is it loud? What the hell is that noise? And then I see (laughs) this pin. Sorry. I was like, oh, I didn't give her my spiel of like not oh, no. touching things or tapping the table. No, okay, it's I'll fine. Like you weren't doing it that long. <laughs> it's good. You know what? It actually felt kind of nice, you know, felt a little touch of normalcy. Okay. Um, well, that's great that you, I mean, it's interesting how you're saving that money because yeah, trade shows, it's like, you can't really invest in that right now. It's interesting because I do know people that have been doing virtual things like the Philadelphia Museum of Art Craft Show was virtual. And I spoke to some people that did it and they still had to pay fees to participate. And if you don't sell anything, you're out of it. And that's really hard because I feel like even anytime you take an investment like that, it is a risk, right? To do a craft show or et cetera. And we know they're expensive, Yeah. Um, but even if you don't really sell a lot, you still have exposure. Yeah. You're still on that aisle where people have to walk by you and look at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and virtually that's not the case necessarily. Yeah. And you really have to trust whoever you're signing up with that they're going to do a good amount of PR and you're going to get your fair yeah. share of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so um, th- and I hard. just really hope that 
because you know after being in marketing and and learning so much about digital marketing it's this whole world like you have to understand data and analytics mm -hmm. um so it, it's a huge chance and you just hope that they have a really incredible understanding of it you know yeah. like yeah mm -hmm. that's a chance that you would have to take too. so um I also just wanted to ask you how are you doing it's a pandemic Damn. <sighs> yeah I know um well I feel like the the meditation has helped calm me down a lot so when it was mm -hmm. happening I saw so many people really sad I felt like I, I I've taken it really well um when it happened so I felt yeah. like to my friends I was sort of like a, a place where they can feel safe um yeah. so during that time um I was just posting stuff where they could feel happy like shenanigans on social media. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever saw like my earlier posts during the pandemic, but it would be like stupid stuff, <laughs> you know, just to make people laugh. Um, sometimes I would be a little down, but then one of the things that I remember from the meditation practice is that your thoughts are not real. Like it creates emotion, mm -hmm. but if you can transcend it and not attach yourself to it, um, be the observer of thought forms and, and the, the feelings that, that comes to the surface, then you'll be fine. And any, when, when you're going through problems in life, things always end up getting better anyway. So yeah. that's kind of um, my sort of philosophy that it's going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's one of those things I've, I've been pretty good. I think I've developed some pretty great coping skills. Um, mm -hmm. cause in, you know, I've in years past, I lost both my parents and, um, some other I'm close sorry. people to me pretty quickly. Yeah. But you Aww. know, the thing is, is that we all experience those kind of things. Um, and you do get through them and things do get better. And, I just now, you know, we're a year into the pandemic. I think I am starting to actually really feel this. And it's interesting how many people have felt it in different ways. I feel like it's kind of like the stages of grief, you know? Yeah. And I think early on in the shutdown, like some people just could not handle it and did not take it well. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice to have a break. And I'm finding the silver lining yeah. here. And, um, and I think I am starting to hit the like, nope not okay and need to see that light at the end of the tunnel kind of vibe yeah um, and we're all going through it at different times right um but yeah also, I think it's just important oh no you go oh no no um I was gonna say too is one of the things I've learned in, that I find very true and I learned uh in meditation but I also have noticed this b being on set where people's emotions are are high because you know you're working on a set a multi-million dollar set and so people have to be on top of it you feel mm -hmm. that energy um so the thing i i want to say the same thing applies you could be tapping into the collective energy and mm -hmm. you know you feeling a certain way you probably is not you on a natural 
like you're it's not you naturally so having an awareness towards that um because I was feeling down uh this morning and I have no reason to feel down so when mm-hmm. I have certain emotions like I, I just really try to quiet my mind and get grounded and then start you know um practicing meditation or just being aware of my bodily sensations could be what be what you're eating too that has a Mm -hmm. lot to do with your emotions yeah it's a whole number of things yeah yeah it's tough I'm I I feel it too though I do yeah sometimes I cry you know oh yeah (laughs) sometimes yeah Oh yeah. A lot of crying, getting it out. Um, yeah. And I've been trying to focus on moving my body. You know, I think that's important. Um, just even getting out of the house and doing things like that, doing things like painting my bedroom wall, a bright color, because I feel like that might soothe me or make me happier. Yeah. Um, I mean, the colors that you're using right now are very soothing, very Zen, like, Thank you. That's what I'm yeah. going for. Yes. I love it. No, <laughs> like for a sure. nice lighter green. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Christina, it's been really fun to talk to you. Yeah, you too. It won't buy too quickly. I know. And it's something that I'm embracing the, the remote recording, but you know, it's like typically the other end of the experience is like, we would have shared a meal or go for a cocktail after this or et cetera. And those are the things that I really <sighs> miss, but I'm just going to say rain check. And yeah. the next time I'm in LA, I would love to see you when it's Oh my safe. God. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Um, and I get to see that. your little world out there. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we didn't mention or anything that you wanted to say before we wrap up? Um, well, I know that when you sent the you know, the questions, I kind of just skimmed through it because I wanted mm-hmm. to be as um, authentic and spontaneous as possible with my with my answers. But I think we covered a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know if I ever tell users this. I mean, I ask a lot of personal questions. Hello. So <laughs> I give them an outline. I give guests, potential guests, an outline to look over and say, like, hey, let me know what's um what's off the table, what isn't. Um, and I take that to heart because I already feel you're being so wonderful and coming on here and sharing. And there's a certain vulnerability to that. And I respect that so much. So yeah. Thank you, thank you for, Oh my gosh. Thank you for letting me ask oh. all about your like acting experience. That was so fun. Oh my God. <laughs> I gonna, I'm now I'm just like, oh gosh now I want to like talk have like a headshot photographer on here or someone who like I've always been really interested in voiceover work like because I know people that like make a living literally just off of voiceover work I make so much money I know man I've been told I have a good voice should I just like (laughs) just do it you have so much content that you can add to all you have to do is create a voice reel um, yeah. have a headshot, but that's, that is even like really not necessary, but you have a lot of great headshots on, on your Instagram. Like the, the one that you used, uh, for Halstead was great. You can totally use oh, that. Oh yeah, that's my, mm-hmm, that's Lynette Kalinske. She's in Philly <laughs> people. Look her up. Hey. She's good. <laughs> call you up, Lynette. <laughs> yeah, she's um, amazing. She's this Puerto Rican mama. I love her. Um, <laughs> um 
But yeah, you know, you just, you, you put your reel together. Um, it could be just of your voice or it could be of you behind the scenes um, doing your work. And then you find a, a local agency. If you have a, a local aid talent agencies there uh, specifically for voiceover, mm -hmm. I mean, where you live shouldn't matter when it, when it comes to voiceover, unless you have to audition for, for example, is it modern? No, not modern family, the, the cartoon. Um, well, there's a car. Uh, it's a it's a it's a really funny kind of cartoon. Uh, I think it might be on Fox. I forget. <laughs> okay, even Simpsons, unless if it's like something like yeah. that where you would have to audition in person. But they're doing a lot of virtual auditions now. I don't think that is even necessary anymore. You would only have to fly out to their studio and do their voiceovers there. But no, you should do it. I'm getting. I am getting intrigued. <laughs> Let me be your hype woman. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Deal. From jeweler, we, we switch roles. You go from acting to jewelry and I go from jewelry to voiceover. There we go. Totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, everyone, this has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists, actor, actors, meditators etc as yeah. always thank you for listening thank you guys perceived value is recorded and produced by me sarah rachel brown if you love the podcast and you want to show your support become our patron visit patreon.com slash perceived value to learn more or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening.